Are you guys ready up there? Alright. Alright, quiet on the set. Welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Movies. My name is Nathaniel Meir, and I'm the movie editor at AIPT. Joining me on these ongoing adventures is the Bonnie to my Clyde. That's me, and you're the Slim to my Queen, huh? Yeah? I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> also joining us is the Laurel to our Hides. Ooh. Hey, okay. <laughs> Still kind of feel like a third wheel here, but that's okay. <laughs> How is everybody doing? You know, I'm doing good, doing good. I could also say this is the first time we say that we're doing good and not saying it's a terrible week. <laughs> could always yeah, say that. Yeah. That's also very <laughs> Yeah, even, even if it's the best week ever, we'll, someone will make it a point to say, like, yeah, you know, it, 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 just another week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, um, I actually, because uh, Blake uh, pretty much hammered it into us, I had the opportunity to see Frailty last night, and Blake was... Correct. It is a very, very, very good movie. Very good movie. I, I give it um, highest recommendation. Good stuff. Good stuff. The so crowd Blake goes wild. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, the crowd did go wild. When I, I, I was telling Blake that um, there's a, a moment in the film. There, there's actually once you get to the third act, lots of things happen. Um, and uh, the first big moment i uh, get the first twist that happens uh someone in the crowd started going oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god like repeatedly for like 30 seconds uh there was audible gasps many times during the closing moments of the movie. really yeah it um and it it draws you in like what, what blake said about it it's true it's a crazy story uh and and you said it's based on a true story blake uh, I think maybe like loosely, yeah, you know, Very, kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Correct, it's based on Ed Gein, I guess. Is that what the name is? It's uh, yeah, it's it's a crazy story. It's it, it sounds kind of typical, right? So serial killer says uh, God told him to kill people, but it's so like layered. There's so many layers and nuances to it. Um, it does deal with religion, obviously. And the cool thing is about the the theater I saw it at the Queen Theater. Um, the showing was. Uh, sponsored or hosted by the Texas A&M uh, Film Society, and they were partnering with the Texas A&M uh, Religious Studies. And uh, they had oh. a talk after. Yeah, I, I I wish I had time to stick around for the talk. I would have loved to hear what they had to say about it because there's lots of religious. I mean, I mean, unsurprisingly, there's lots of religious um, uh, allusions in it. Like he takes six days to dig a hole, and on the seventh day he rests and. His dad kind of goes and locks him in a in a basement and visits him on the seventh day for the first time. Like there's all these little subtle things that they do, which is a uh, and then the big one. He, he sees visions of angels that tell him to kill people, but <laughs> it's <laughs> really good movie. It it'll it holds up very well. I would imagine if if I had seen it back, you know, twenty years ago when it came out, um, I would have been freaked out then. And it's it's pretty freaky to watch it. Bill Paxton is so good in it. He is so good. In it. <laughs> It's a, I'm but definitely, yeah, definitely gonna have to rewatch it, man. I, yeah, you totally made me want to rewatch it again, and yeah, it's, I, I will. Danny, you've never seen it? I've never seen it. No, no, no. And I was actually kind of joking about it on Twitter that I think we're gonna have like a special edition once we like <laughs> all watch it again. But it, it's like it's one of these movies that we we you well you mentioned a lot, Blake. But yeah, I mean, right. and now. <laughs> But but that's fine. I feel that's fine. If it's like impactful, I mean, now we have Pat on this, that it's so impactful. I, I Fuck, why not? Like, why not talk about this fucking film, like, for 30 to 40 fucking minutes? Like, 30 to, 30 to 30 to an hour, that's what I meant to say. But, you know, 40 minutes is good, too. You know, around. But, we'll do a minute-by-minute you know. minute recap of the entire film. <laughs> it's it's yeah. good stuff. Like, uh, the... Um... Man, I wish it was made more recently because uh, this uh, this decade's about to end, and I'm sure we'll do a best of the decade or most underrated of the because this movie is uh, very much underrated. I think it's very good. I'm not quite sure why it didn't do better, why it's not talked about more. 
I remembered it, but I didn't remember it until you mentioned it. Like I, no right. one ever talks about that movie. No, it's true, and uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe because it's like like you were talking about, Paxton directed it, so it's like it kind of like no one talks about. It. I didn't have like a crazy big director attached to it. It was actually just him. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a real interesting. It, it you would think you would see it more on like uh like just playing on Halloween time, you know, in the fall, but you don't really see it on TV playing anywhere. I guess it would be hard to edit for like TV maybe, but um yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and you don't see it on like underrated lists and I I don't mm-hmm. see why not because there's no one, there's nothing bad about it per se. It, it's far from perfect, but it's, there's nothing that you'll be like, "Oh my god, it's just it's it's really really good, and I, I can't. I'm very surprised that more people don't talk about it. But well, whatever, everybody who listens to this, <laughs> go go watch it, and then go tell people about it. We'll have research. Yes, a running well, theme of the show is we, we will tell you what you need to see, and you need <laughs> to see. Right, I'll see. So, um, well, what I what I need to know is so I I've seen Justice League, and I've heard the term Snyder Cut. I think I, I I know what it means. I guess it's Zack Snyder's cut. But what the hell is the fervor around it, Danny? What's the big deal? And why did it come back this weekend? I see. And I don't know what's going on with with that. So when uh, Snyder's a family member committed suicide, he kind of like like he he just he he pretty much let uh, Joss Whedon take over the realm uh, the realms uh, reigns over over the Justice League movie. And then so every everybody says that. The, the the rumor is that the, that there's a, a Snyder cut. Like he said, he co- he has confirmed that there is a, a cut that he has produced. Uh, but I think with like with uh, with Disney Plus coming or that came out last week, and all the streaming services that are going to com- be coming out, I feel like all the all the actors in that film are pretty much pushing for for it to be either come out in theaters, which is what two years later, three years later. How how long has uh, this movie been out? Like longer, the... uh, I want to say four, 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 four years, four, close to five years. It seems like I don't know. All these movies yeah. they run together. <laughs> it, I mean, at least three years. You're right. Yeah, but so the thing is, is like I think everybody, I guess the fans of this movie, because I'm definitely not a fan of this, and I'm not really a fan of Zack Snyder's like movies. Really, like there's very few and far between good movies that he's made, and just exactly. I would not. I would not want to see a Justice League Snyder cut. Uh, maybe Curiosity. You know, I'm a little cur- curious in seeing it, but I'm not going to, like, go out of my fucking way to be like, oh, heck yeah, I'm going to tweet about this uh, this uh, four-year-old thing. Uh, yeah, I was trending, and see, that's what I don't get. And you, you, you said it, like, perfectly. Like, Zack Snyder is not that great of a director. Like, I, I understand circumstances. Um, he has had him step away from the film. And I guess there's a curiosity to it, but I mean, people seem really passionate about seeing the work of, like you said, a, a mediocre at best movie from a <laughs> mediocre at best director. Like, I don't understand what the big deal about it is. It's like Chef Boyardee select. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, it's a dollar fifty more. It's got to be better. It must be better. Uh, oh, it's made by the Chef Boyard. You know, <laughs> yeah. Someone didn't have to step in and finish the recipe first. So eventually, here's, here's the question. Do you guys think this is a ploy from HBO Max? Yes. I, I think wow, what a stupid marketing idea. <laughs> I was on board with HBO Max. Now, now I'm, kind of, I'm kind of pissed at them now. I don't even know if I'm bored on HBO Max because I I mean I have Boom, I have Boomerang and they have all the classic cartoons that I need. I have HBO Now or whatever that shit is and I'm okay with that, you know. It's I don't I don't need another streaming service. I need something that's going to have everything all fucking together like cable and I'll be fine. Fuck it. I I'm just I don't know. I don't I don't want to do streaming services or exclusives. This is not the this is our new uh video co- video game consoles, you know. This is a console war now. What's going to be better? Uh and you know, NBC Universal is going to be like the fucking Turbo Graphics 16. It's just going to die out. <laughs> let me let me ask since you since you brought up that that console, what did you prefer back in the day? Turbo Graphics 16 or Turbo Tax? 
Oh, TurboTax. <laughs> TurboTax. So, I was a, I was an eight year old accountant. So uh, along the lines of superhero movies, but the other end of the spectrum, uh, a good superhero, a very good superhero movie. It was announced, like I guess, I guess confirmed, right, that there will be a sequel for Joker, and I think Todd Phillips. Uh, I know he said that he wants to do another one, but I don't know if he's been confirmed to do another one. So, am I am I right? Did they confirm a sequel, or are they just still yeah. talking about doing? Yeah. So it's been confirmed. This movie has made a fuckload of money, and yeah. they <laughs> how much billion dollars? Oh, billion. I heard eighty dollars. And I was like, that's a very funny. Yeah, I made $80 <laughs> in like the first uh, two minutes, I think. Yeah. Uh, but this is, I don't know. I, so I think we have a really good standalone film. We don't need anything to expand the Joker as much as we can. Uh, if we get like a other kind of origins within like what, because obviously we saw what happens at the end of the film. So it's a thing like, I don't know. Like, if they do like, let's say like they do an origin for the Riddler, Within that same origin story that happened that gets affected by the the Joker or like the Joker film, I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, or fuck, you know, like let's get another completely different origin film for Joker, and it will really show how fucked up this character is. You know, where no story is gonna correlate, and that would make you know people confused, like the you know regular people and comic book fans, like. Like regular happy. people, <laughs> yeah, the normies, the peasants the who, who sit at the throne of the comic book bourgeois. <laughs> That's an interesting idea you have about because I did see that there was something about um different origin movies, but I think if they, I, I get the, I know what you're saying, the idea behind different Joker origin movies, and it fits the character well, but man, that would be so corny. Like I think people would tire of it. So? I think each one would lose its power because you're speaking from the, you're speaking as a comic book fan. I'm speaking as a regular person <laughs> and uh, as, a, as a as a regular yeah as a normal as a normal reggie you're a reggie <laughs> as one of those who uh who don't read comics on the huge um i would find it uh cheesy and corny and confusing to an extent i mean see i have the luxury i guess of knowing like yeah joker he you know it's his backstory is kind of a choose your own adventure he doesn't know it right but not everybody knows that or cares to know that. And it would just be a little, well, shit, Star Wars suffers from, um, so I, I mean, I'm sure. it's a bad idea. Yeah. I don't think it's a good idea to do a sequel yeah. to that thing. Personally, I don't know. It was a good standalone thing. I, I think it, it would, I don't know, it'd be more impactful over the years if you just left it alone. Oh, I guess if you're going to really say like, okay, well, do you really don't want more, you know, Joaquin Phoenix as Joker? Well, I, I do, I guess. Sure. Sure. If you're going to twist right. my arm. But I mean, no, I don't need it. But sure, if you're gonna make me, <laughs> I guess that'll be <laughs> that'll be a good one. <laughs> Whatever. But it would be cool if they did these origin stories, and like you mentioned, the uh, Riddler, like his would be um, a little bit different, a little brighter. Uh, it'd be sillier. Um, we talked about whimsy last last week. There might be a, a, a quality of whimsicalness to it. Um, that'd be cool if the origins were different. But if everything was trying to be like Joker, like that Joker works because it kind of fits the character. Yeah. I don't know if you could do that with like Killer Croc, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Oh, I feel like it's like after we had the Nolan, like the Nolan Batmans, right? Like everything wanted to be like the Nolan Batman. So Amazing Spider-Man really suffered from that. So let's say like, you know, we get fucking Bane that's trying to be the Joker. It's not going to work. You know, we want something that's going to be more fucking, you know, wrestling-esque to it. Like, you know, fucking put the wrestler into that shit. Get Mickey Rourke on the phone. <laughs> Speaking of wrestling. So uh, this week we have an interview with, uh, I know you guys aren't like the biggest wrestling fans, but are you guys familiar with uh, Vampiro? Vampiro. I know the word. <laughs> I don't know the wrestler. <laughs> he actually, no, uh, uh, oh, he's like he actually his own words. He's not. He never wanted to be a good wrestler, and uh, I will tell you, he's not a good. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he but, sucks. Uh, Vampiro uh, sucks. Yeah, believe it. Well, he <laughs> he likes the insane clown posse and the new version of the Misfits. So there you go. But um, oh no. Um, he oh. yeah, he's actually huge in in lucha. Huge, huge, huge. Uh, like I would say he's like. Hogan status in in lucha, uh, really big 
really big uh, name over there. And he's in some things in the United States. Um, I guess for wrestling fans, most famous or inf- infamously known for feuding with Sting and lighting him on fire and throwing him <laughs> off a of a Titan Tron type thing. No, but, he um, sucks. He kicks ass if he does this kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> He, uh, you know, I'm speaking from like a, a, as a character, really cool, really original, has a good, really good look. Uh, he looks cool as a worker, not so great, but he never wanted to be, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, he did what he wanted to do, and he did it, he, he was very good at, at, at that. Uh, he also gave us a really interesting interview about um, the documentary he recently made about him. It's called uh, Nail in the Coffin The Fall and Rise of uh, Vampiro, and it's about his life after the business and it's really a father father daughter story that's really really cool definitely worth your time it's not your typical typical wrestling documentary uh reviews up on the site but uh here's what vampiro had to say um so um when you got started in wrestling did, did you think you would leave such a mark on it i i knew i was destined for something i i remember i, I remember the moment uh i was watching uh tv and it was the Rolling Stones from the 60s. It was a documentary about the pre-British invasion. Right. And they were, and I, I, I have the video, I have it on my phone. It's, it was one of the things that changed my life. They were singing Around and Around, Chuck Berry song, and, and the girls were going insane. And um, it was just a clip of them. And I remember seeing that, and I knew that that was my destiny, to be in front of people and make them go crazy. Right. I think I was eight years old when I saw that. But I knew that uh, I was going to be an entertainer and I was going to make a difference. How, I didn't know. <laughs> so when I became a wrestler, uh, my mission was never to be a good wrestler. My mission was to, to, to ex- make an explosion, a cultural explosion, w- with fashion, with look, with attitude. Uh, my heroes were Iggy Pop and Evil Knievel. I had nothing to do with wrestling. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to be... That guy, the evil Knievel, jumping over Caesar's palace with no safety net. I wanted to be that in wrestling. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Michael, what was your inspiration behind uh, doing a documentary on Vampiro? <clears throat> well, um, we've known each other for, for years, uh, on and off over the years. Uh, I originally, before I was in, in, into film, I was living in Mexico City about 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, and... I ended up becoming a, I was a reporter for a, for a Mexican lucha magazine. They wanted an international correspondent to tell stories for in, um, there, and then I ended up doing that, and I, get to meet, I got to meet a lot of people, uh, and that's where I originally connected with Ian, and then we lost contact, and then, um, you know, years later, we bumped into each other uh, in, in Toronto, and he was doing his same, like, doing the same thing, like, still doing uh, lucha, and I'm not, but what are you doing in Toronto? And he's like, well, I'm commuting. I'm actually living in Thunder Bay, mm-hmm. and I'm flying to Mexico City. And he right. did it every single week. And I was just like, I was just blown away by that. I said, this is, this is amazing. And then we started talking about ideas from there. And it's just sort of, and that's where, where we're like, okay, well, we gotta, we got to document this, 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 this story. And uh, for me, it was, what was most interesting was, the core of it was it was a single dad trying to raise his daughter and he's going to do it any way he can and if he's living in Thunder Bay and he's got to fly to Mexico City on Thursday to go and work and do all that and come back Sunday night make lunch for her in the morning you know to go to school just like we all do right, right. and that's what he's doing so at the end of the day it was like that's the story that like, we all have that story right um, and lucha and all that is the backstory. That's that's around it, right? So right. And um, as the subject of the documentary, you might have a different uh, opinion of it. How would you describe nail in the coffin? I can't. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how to, um, because like he said. Uh, the movie didn't stop, and then I went on to do something else. Right. I still exactly what you saw that's the way it is mm-hmm. so uh, I, I feel like he did an amazing job telling the story because I wouldn't have told that story <laughs> I, I don't know how to tell I would have told a different story 
what he he saw something that I didn't see and I've been trying to say it this is all for my daughter and it didn't matter about the music it didn't matter about the other fame it didn't matter about this that the other thing he said that's the story is you and your daughter I didn't understand it but I get it <laughs> so I said don't ask me don't show me don't tell me you just turn the camera on and then whatever you do with it is fine with me so I, I, yesterday was the first time I saw it um, it, it was an education for me because I saw how other people see me for the first time so it was it was intimidating sure scary yeah I would understand um, you mentioned the Rolling Stones you mentioned Iggy Pop so this might sound like a silly question music always been a big part of your career um, what do you think of music nowadays uh, what do you mean by that well, growing up, I never thought I would be that guy who's like, oh, it all sounds the same to me. And then at about 35 or 36, music all kind of did sound the same to me. New music. What do you think of current music, I guess? You mean the processed stuff? Yeah, the, you know, the Drakes and the, I don't know, I, don't, I can't even, Nicki Minaj's and the and all that stuff. I think that, that music was the first language in the human race. It was the first form of communication. What it did for me, uh, culturally, uh, education-wise, uh, choosing my path in life was a commitment. It wasn't just listening to songs. It was getting tattoos. It was quitting school. It was wearing a leather jacket. It was getting in fights. It was getting beaten up for being a punk rocker. It was going on the road, uh, learning how to be a musician, uh, because I believed in the, mov in the movement. So it wasn't just a music uh, group or song that influenced me. It was a it was a commitment to a lifestyle. So I'm sure this generation, just like in my generation, uh, Nicki Minaj. Well, that was Madonna. It wasn't my thing then. It's not my thing now. But it means something to somebody. Right. And as long as an artist doesn't become bigger than the mission, then I will support that artist. I believe. The best thing to do now is see older bands, hardcore bands, metal bands that weathered the storm to see them live because right. you're going to get a better education. The stuff that's out there now that means things to my daughter, <laughs> uh, I, I don't understand it. But if I see what it does to her and if she's getting the message, then the messenger is doing his job. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. Yeah. And in the documentary, you mentioned the worst drug is um, believing the hype. Yes. So, yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, Michael, um, you've kind of touched on it. Actually, you've both touched on Dasha. How early on did you plan on including her in the documentary? I mean, it kind of happened by accident, right? I think we found the story about halfway through. Yeah, I mean, it was... I think, I think when we were with her, like, she was always there. Like, because she was always... So at some point or another, it was just sort of like, okay, well... Like this. You know? Who's he texting? <laughs> My daughter. Are, are we going to are, are we going to include her? Because it was like like I knew we I, I knew they think I was raising her, right. uh, and and so we were like, well, at some point we would we would like to, you know, but it, it's it's you know, is she is she open to it? And then what happened was is that she came to an event, and we and then we 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 met at this event, and we just started talking, and then she was, and, and then she just kind of opened, and we didn't we weren't even filming her, and we just. Had this great conversation, and then it was just sort of like, that's it, that's you know, and then he was there because what happened during what does what what sparked that, and 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 you know, remember now is that this there was a rest, there was an event going on, like the room, the place was packed, and she had a brand new camera, it was in spec, brand new camera, and it, and she lost it, got disappeared, and Ian stopped the whole event, got in the ring, and said. My daughter's lost her camera, lost a camera bag. Everybody, like, find, find this camera. And then everybody, the whole building started looking for the camera. And they found it. They found the bag. And they come, they, they was got, got put somewhere and they passed it up. And I was like, that's, he, did, he stopped the whole show first for, to, for this moment. And I was like, man, that's it. Like, the, that was, it was such a, it was like a, we didn't film it. It was a wish we had. Wish we had. I forgot about that. That, that. that, and it was just like, that's, you know, it's like what you're saying about about you know, like you you'll take like when he takes the call when on, on 
in the in the documentary when he's doing the comics call. Right. That's him all the time. Did, did not you don't you know what I mean? So I was like, it was just a natural evolution for her to be to for her to be part of that. I remember. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's power. Very much. Not so. a power of Vampiro. That's the tone of voice. That's my daughter's camera. Give it back. So the message is, it's, it's not Vampiro asking you a favor. That's Vampiro's daughter's camera. I don't give a fuck what's going on right now. <laughs> Get me that camera back. And the loyalty, because of what I've given to the fans, when I ask for something, which is never. Right. The loyalty, because of my commitment to them, uh, that's what that moment was, and that's power. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. You don't see that very often in American wrestling. You don't remember it ever. <laughs> um, you're very emotional, they show in the documentary. Um, a little bit after the in- you speak with your daughter, there's the event, there's the incidents at Triple Mania. But um, you're also, at the Triple Mania event, you don't go off on anybody. You're very calm. How are you able to balance the two? I've learned um, from being around, for example, with Michael and... and uh, one of the things I, I, I'm a visual learner, so I, I've learned uh, because I was a wrestler, so I know that our, our, our mindset is limited. When you're dealing with creative people, you have to understand that you can't go in there confrontational. You have to understand that you're just going to take punches here, and you've got to figure out a way to bob and weave and 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 reword things so that that person who is in a, in a moment of conflict will understand that you're on their side. Right. So it's an art. It's not a, it's not a technique. There's no solution. It's just... Uh, it's like the experience of going to war. It's like if you don't pull your gun out now and start shooting, you're going to end up dead. It's an extreme example, but it's like I'm telling you because I've been at war for 30 years. This is your first day on the battlefield. Son... I need you to, 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 to trust me. But I'm, I'm on, this is happening. I'm, I understand. Take your gun out and shoot. Because if you don't, this isn't going to go on. This is happening now. Right. So you have to uh, understand. You've got to be sensitive. You've got to absorb that. But you've got to be strong enough in your character that they will listen to your voice and look in your eyes and believe that you're going to guide them. Uh, how that happens, there's really not a formula. I believe it's just uh, you've got to, you've, you've had to have walked through the fire. Um, so Dasha, as much as a star as you are of this, um, do you sometimes see parallel, parallels between you and her? And if you do, does it kind of scare you? I see a lot of parallels. Um, it, it doesn't scare me at all. It, it, I'm, I'm relieved because she's sensitive, she's emotional, she's um, grounded spiritually, morally, uh, she's curious, and she's willing to take chances, sacrifice, and she understands suffering, and she understands how to overcome suffering. So I, I know she's going to be okay. And uh, you mentioned this earlier, that when the documentary ended, Nothing stopped. Your life went on. So what does the future hold for Vampiro? I don't know. Um, definitely not going to stop being Vampiro. <laughs> Every time I've tried to stop and conform and find another outlet and um, do something different, my world falls apart. The more that I stay in the chaos, I play hardcore, I'm involved in wrestling, I produce, I write, I be Vampiro, uh, my life is awesome. And Michael, where can, this is a, a great documentary. There's a lot of docu- wrestling documentaries out there now. The WWE produced ones, but they're mm-hmm. pretty sanitized. This one's much more refreshing and honest. Um, if people want to see it, where can they see it? Uh, we hope to play some, we're going to be playing some more festivals. Um, we're going to do the festival circuit first, and then uh, we're seeking U.S. distribution. And hopefully from there it'll Find it, find a way to the to the, to the audience soon. Yeah, if not, I'll bootleg and put it on Facebook. Uh, thank you again to uh, Van Vampiro. To all the uh, our uh, what do we call people who listen to our show? Right, our adventurers. Oh sure, sure. The aimless. Like what do we call them? <laughs> to all the adventurers who listen the to us every single week. <laughs> 
week in and week out you listen to us because uh we're we're the voice of the voiceless. We we talk about comics and we talk about horror and things like that. But sometimes we tell you what you want to hear, but we tell you what you need to hear. So this week we're not talking sci-fi. We're not we're not talking about the Avengers. We're talking about sports because that's what you need to hear. Sports. We're talking about sports documentaries <laughs> and we're talking about sports movies and you're gonna like it because we're gonna talk about some good ones. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, right off the bat. I know, I know. Disney Plus just came out, and uh, we kind of talked about that last week. But um, what also came out was ESPN Plus. Well, not that it came out; it's part of a bundle with, uh, with Disney Plus. And uh, kind of touched on it very, very briefly last week. But there's some awesome documentaries on ESPN Plus. The uh, Thirty for Thirty um, series is great. Um, it started off as a. I actually had to look this up because I was like, "What the hell does Thirty for Thirty mean?" So um, the thirtieth anniversary of ESPN. They had uh, the month of October, I think, or it must have been a month with 30 days. They had a documentary every single day. So it was 30 documentaries for the 30th anniversary. And then it just kind of took off from there. And actually, oh. I read that. Yeah, I didn't know that. But actually, I read that the first ones uh, didn't do so well. Like, people really didn't watch them. It wasn't until um, the, uh, and I know you've seen this one, Danny, the uh, da, 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 June 17th, 1994. That's a really that that one's really interesting. So um, there's so many of them to list, so many. But um, the ones that uh, are the best are the ones that transcend sports. Like, of course, sports is the backdrop. Like June 17th, 1994 deals with uh, the Bulls are playing the Knicks in a, in a playoff game. And uh, I think it's Arnold Palmer's last U.S. Open and O.J. Simpson. Um, the whole thing is built around him being chased by the cops. Uh, no narration. It's just news clips and yeah. snippets from um, around the world, sports things that are happening around the world. Um, the New York Rangers had a parade that day for winning the Stanley Cup. And it kind of it's a snapshot of a particular time in America. And um, it's really cool because um, you can kind of equate it to social media nowadays, uh, how quickly people are re to react to things. Because at the beginning of the chase, there's people with signs like, run juice run and go oj and they're supporting him yeah. and by the end of the day things have totally changed uh, but over the course of that day like all this stuff it's just you don't have to be a sports fan to enjoy stuff like this but uh i think it's a great documentary and definitely you should search it out for sure for sure i i know we we usually do like movies and everything but uh to jump on on your 3430 bandwagon have you heard the podcast um uh, i've never listened to the podcast i don't i know that they have see like three or four seasons but i've uh i know and i know one season each season has like a theme right yeah 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 so there was one th uh, it was essentially like the, the couple of the ones that i've heard uh they were kind of like little tidbits or like kind of like a, a stinger for what happened in that certain episode but then they have like their own like solid like you know editing like Story narrations uh, podcasts, and they had one that was about the uh, this guy that was like a, essentially like a professional uh, poker player, and he would go hustle like casinos and essentially come out winning money, and it is one of like one of these one of the best stories I've heard. Like I remember like I I was working, and essentially I just had to sit down because it the 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 climax of the story was just so like over over the top and uh it it was it's it was a really really good one and there's another one about like the all female uh adventurers like uh, i think they were going to go up through everest and these were not like you know there was like one person that was going to like lead them and there was like a bunch of like housewives essentially that were going to go and walk walk through uh just walk through through everest and just you know become something out of it uh, but these are really, really good. I mean, if you really like the the show, I would recommend hearing this because there's some really good, uh, some really solid episodes as well that I think that I think um, do justice to the the documentary show that we see or the docu series. Uh, what about you, Blake? What uh, sports documentaries do you really like? What what kind of goes beyond sports for you? Oh, goes beyond sports, man. That's hmm. Or even uh, just a really, really good one that anybody can. Maybe it sticks in the realm of sports, but anybody can enjoy it. 
Well, you know the thing that when you first brought up the topic, and it's, I told you like the things that I was going to talk about probably would make you laugh. But um, like when I was growing up, um, there was, and you you guys too, we're all about the same age. Um, you know, one of the you know forever iconic sports figures, Michael Jordan, right, is like. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a, a thousand documentaries made on him, but like I remember very specifically that like one of my buddies in particular, he he had like all these things, and I, I actually watched one of them. They're on uh, Amazon Prime, but they were like these. Uh, they were just like uh, they were just like highlight reels, basically, kind of like with oh, narration, yeah. you know. And they're they were they weren't so much documentaries as they were just like, man, this guy is badass. And like here's a, here's a bunch <laughs> right, of these right. clips, and I, so this one that I watched is hilarious. It's called Michael Jordan, his airness, <laughs> and like <laughs> it, it, but it was cool. It's it, it told the story from, and it's got interviews with his family and with him, and and uh, from from when he was in high school all the way up until the 1999 uh, season where he re- retired from the Bulls, um, and it was like honestly, it just it just re- it made me remember how iconic he actually was. Like people like to compare to LeBron James and um, you know lots of sports figures to to Jordan, and it really right. no nobody came close or has come close, I think culturally or just like, you know he was on everything. If you turned mm-hmm. on the TV, he was advertising Gatorade, McDonald's, you know his his shoes, Hanes, yeah, yeah Hanes, yeah. everything, and video games, uh, video games, movies, Space Jam, you know, mm-hmm. um, and he was such an iconic figure. And so just watching this again kind of made me, you know, nostalgic. And it just it it just it also reminded me of like, man, he was such a marketing force that you know they they would come out with these movies these 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 kind of movies like that I watched all the time. They they have they have like the hilarious names. It's like. And the air up there, Michael Jordan. <laughs> like, like, isn't, like, that a re- isn't that a real movie? Yeah, yeah. With, with like, Air Bud. Yeah. Oh yeah, Air Bud. Blue <laughs> chips. Let's talk. But like, uh, it was just it was cool because it was like he was such an iconic figure and still is. Um, that it was like that. Those are the kind of things that like it, they were marketing. They were still marketing. But like it was cool, it, it is kind of a cool reminder to to remember how dominant and just what a what a force Michael Jordan was. Yeah, I I've never seen anyone dominate a sport like Michael Jordan, and uh, no. I know that the the common refrain. I know there's probably people right now in 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 Boston yelling at me. Oh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady is you know amazing. What he's done is whether you're a fan of his or not, what he's right. done is amazing. Yeah. But he doesn't have the same impact that uh, his airness did no. back in. T- <laughs> Do no. you think we'll ever see anyone like that? And you're right, Kobe was compared. Um, LeBron was compared to him. Right. Um, I'm sure someone coming who's a freshman for Duke right now will probably be compared to him in a few years. But do you think we'll ever see anything like that again? I I don't, man. Like I, I really think that there's a few like sports figures that kind of are transcendent, like that you'll hear talked about forever, like Babe Ruth. You know, mm-hmm. um, definitely Jordan. No, I, I don't think so because uh, and that movie kind of reminded me, and I didn't need reminding. I love Jordan. I follow two Jordan highlight things on Twitter. Like that guy was he was a, such a fierce competitor. Like the only guy I can actually compare him to is Wayne Gretzky. Like Wayne Gretzky was the greatest at what he did. <laughs> And he was a fierce competitor and he, he didn't want to, you know, he wanted to cut your throat out and that's, Mm -hmm. that was Jordan. And I just, I just don't see that, you know, guys nowadays are worried about their careers and having longevity and, and Jordan was making tons of cash off the court. He, he wanted to go beat you and he wanted to be known because he was beating you. And so no, to answer your question, I really don't think we're going to see if we do, it's going to, it's, we haven't seen it yet. You know, we haven't seen anybody come close. It's uh, it's pretty crazy because, uh, yeah, as a player, he was amazing. And skills-wise, I mean, who knows? Maybe we have seen people who are better than him skills-wise. But Maybe, yeah. all, ar- all around, like, just the cultural impact he had worldwide, not just in this. I mean, worldwide. we live in a, we live here. So, yeah, of course, we saw the brunt of it. But, I mean, this is a worldwide phenomenon. And, you know, I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. I don't, I don't know if it was the right place, right time thing or... Because he's not the most, uh, he's not the friendliest guy. <laughs> like he's, he's not. No, he, but he was supremely market. Like he knew how to play to the camera. They like he. And the other thing that he did that I always, it was so genius on his part. Like he didn't give the media anything. Like the media protected Jordan because Jordan's famous. Like he was a gambler, kind of a womanizer. You never heard yeah. about that stuff. 
because he was so good to the media. He he gave them he gave, he would come out, put on a big smile. If he had a good game, he'd have a cigar, you know. And he gave the media everything they wanted. Everybody loved Mike, you know. So you never you never heard that bad stuff. So it's like you know, it's I don't know, it's 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 not like that anymore. You know, the media is out to get people now. Yeah, you know, because that's oh, that's, yeah. that's how they're gonna get headlines. It's not be, being their buddy. Uh-huh. Oh, you got to get that those clicks. You got to get yeah. those clicks. You know, yeah, it doesn't matter how you get them because it wasn't until years later that I heard about the rumors that Jordan's time in baseball was actually so he can get around being uh, suspended by the NBA. I I heard nothing about that at, at the time. Nothing. At it. it must have been like ten years later that I heard about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's only it's only really. I would even say like only really now. Like he's such a protected figure. It's it's kind of crazy. Like, and I would say Tom Brady's gotten some of that protection, but he's public enemy number one in a lot of the case, you know, but so it's like, there, there, there's guys that have skirted trouble, but like, not like Jordan, man. <laughs> not like Jordan. <laughs> yeah, he was a force, a, and that's why he's his airness, a force <laughs> unto himself. Um, I saw a documentary that kind of is, uh, it captures that spirit of, uh, like, we'll never see it again type of thing. And this is really even before we can, um, appreciate it but uh 30 for 30 also has shorts and i saw one called the imposter and um i don't know if you guys have heard of morgana the kissing bandit uh, like um, she's from like ooh, 70s like this chick would run out into baseball yeah. fields and kiss a player and then just run off like yeah, sexually assault people you mean yeah 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 exactly <laughs> she would you know one one, one step below raping them is what she <laughs> But um, there was this guy who um, he went to an NBA All-Star game in 1979 with some friends and they bet him 20 bucks. They bet him. We bet you can't get on court during halftime. And uh, sure enough, he got on court. He stole a jersey, got on court. There's pictures of him like shooting around with like um, Kareem. like that. He's bringing layups and stuff. So it actually became a thing that he did for over a decade and there's footage of him. he pretended he was a, an umpire at the World Series and he's there during the national anthem at home play. <laughs> he and Rico Palazzo did. Oh, that's so good. It's really fun. He he went he uh, showed up at a Cowboys game, dressed as a cheerleader and performed during halftime. <laughs> Or he got absolutely mobbed by the cop. The cops took him down like sick. Like there's really <laughs> crazy pictures of it. That, um, it kind of uh, it kind of ended in the 80s, and they show he's at the 86 uh, and uh, um, baseball All Star game, and Tommy Lasorda is just bitching him out, like <laughs> what are you doing, cussing him out like sick. And the guy actually was really he wasn't. Um, I'm sure he was starstruck, but it wasn't one of those like. I'm, I'm going to get in the game because that would really suck if he actually got in the game and did something. But he would just, you know, during halftime breaks and warm ups and stuff like that. But uh, he would uh, never make uh, like a spectacle of himself. It was just kind of like I did it. I got on there. Here's some photos of it. And it was kind of for his friends and family. But um, it started getting to the point to where in the late 80s and early 90s when people started hearing about him. That they wanted to kind of see him get arrested for it. Not maliciously. They thought it would be funny. The documentary is kind of about how it's really short. It's 10 minutes. But it's kind of about how times have changed. Like the innocence that was there before you don't really have anymore. And it's not saying that like, yeah, people should be able to go out and rush, you know, football fields or anything like that. It's it's kind of about how people were a little more fun loving before because times are so serious right now. I think it came out in like 2015 or something like that. So there's, there's an air of topicality about it because Monica Sellers would argue. (laughs) (laughs) See, that was during the match though. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That was true. (laughs) That guy, that guy made quite the spectacle. (laughs) (laughs) There's actually a a bunch of really cool, um, like short, short ish, um, between 20 and, uh, minutes and an hour long on, uh, Amazon prime too, ranging all sorts of, of stuff. Um, there's like football stuff and I actually watched another one. Um, I, I've, I grew up, uh, my dad is a, a large animal was a large animal, um, uh, veterinarian. And so like I grew up around horses and all sorts of stuff. And so I was always really big into horse racing because of my dad. And so, um, I always just, from the time when I was a little kid, um, I, it always stuck in my mind how my parents would talk about the horse uh, secretariat 
um, who, you know, they've made Disney, I think, made a movie. Um, and he was, you know, kind of famously this incredible horse. And uh, there's a there's one of these documentaries. It's called Secretariat. Um, and let's see, Secretariat's uh, Big Red's Last Race. And that was kind of his actual name that the like the people who owned him called him Big Red. He was a giant, gigantic red uh, thoroughbred. But uh, it's this the documentary is actually from the seventies, um, and it's uh, it's about his last race up in Canada. And it's actually it's twenty minutes long. I would if you're interested at all, I would give it a watch because it's it's kind of like what you guys were talking about, like and just like this kind of transcendence of like what these guys do like culturally. And this was an animal, you know, this was a horse that totally captivated, I would say, probably the world. You know, horse racing's pretty big across the entire world. Um, and right. it's cool. It's uh, You get to see um, a bunch of people um, talking beforehand, his grooms, um, the jockey, his owner. Um, and it's really cool. You get to see kind of the fervor. People were sitting out in the rain and the cold to see this uh, kind of phenomenal horse because uh, they knew it was going to be his last one. And spoiler alert, he wins the race uh, in kind of dramatic fashion. And it's uh, it's really cool, worth watching. Um, and yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cool to see how, um, yeah, just how important that horse was, you know, back then. You know, we ha- we have it now, more or less. There's there's some pretty popular horses, but I would still say he's he's kind of the he's kind of the Jordan and the Babe Ruth of of horse racing. So check that out too. I'm kind of yeah, happy that the, you. The, Go ahead. I was gonna say those are the names you always hear. Uh, Man of War and Secretariat are the two you always hear. Yeah, and they talk about Man of War, you know, and you know Man of War was in the 20s, I think. So yeah. you know. So yeah, and you know there, uh, War Admiral. There, there's a bunch. There's a rich, 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 rich. Seabiscuit is a really cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really cool stories within the horse racing realm. And uh, if you don't know anything about Secretariat at all, uh, do a Wikipedia search, and you're gonna be like, holy cow, this this is like a very special, unique animal. And uh, I've always had a lot of respect for him. Just you know, hearing my my dad and my mom talk about. Um, yeah, what a cool, cool thing it was, and yeah, definitely check that out. And after you've looked up Sea Biscuit, look up Air Biscuit, <laughs> along with uh, along with uh, sports documentaries. There's also um, lots of good movies, uh, lots of good popular movies based on sports. Um, this weekend, and uh, Danny, I know you saw it too. Um, I had the chance to see uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Um, I thought this was a really 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 good movie uh christian bale and at the beginning of the year we were and through halfway through the year we were all talking about yeah there's some there's been some good movies but nothing really stands out now mm-hmm. it seems like we're seeing a lot of movies with these amazing performances and uh i thought christian bale was great in ford versus ferrari it was the first time in a long time he's good in everything but it's the first time in a long time that i've seen him be fun yeah and he was really good and it was really cool to see that side of him yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, I I don't know, like this is like uh, so throughout the whole movie, uh, Ford versus Ferrari. I was thinking of all the other like racing movies that I really enjoy, and I, it really like there's not a lot of movies that come out to 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 my up to into my mind, uh, but there is this French uh, short film. Uh, it's, it's it's called Rendezvous, um, and it's this guy that's literally just racing through the fucking streets of Paris and um and I I got that same excitement of when uh there's just all these racing scenes essentially that you get in in Ford versus Ferrari and I I felt that same kind of thrill of it being very just on the edge of your seat because I've this uh this short French film is I, I found it on YouTube, and uh, essentially it does the same thing. It, it, it's very, very, just very exciting in many, many ways. And um, it, the Ford versus, I don't know, like it's uh, Christian Bale. Like he, I haven't seen him like this, and like he just seemed to fit. Like it just everything felt really, really good in this in this film for him. Uh, but yeah, you're right, Pat. This is like now we're seeing everything. It was like, good. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's and to tie it into sports, what's really good about it is that in a lot of sports movies, and it's not well, maybe it was intentional back in the day, but um, there is an air of uh, like what a real man is and masculinity. And in in this one, um, you don't really ever get that. It, I mean, if anything, it's about being a good dad and about friendship. Um, racing is a very, very important part of it. I mean, based on the title, mm-hmm. you can tell it's 
it's it never gets away from that focus. That's definitely what the movie is about. I mean, I don't want to make it seem like it's about relationships. That's very much a subplot. The race is what it's about, but it's um it's very basic storytelling. It's they want to win this race. It's almost like a series of mo- montages as to how they're going to win the race and then the race happens and they're the shots are amazing. It's it's super tense. Like I I didn't wiki it beforehand. I had no idea what the outcome was going to be. So, I mean, you're on the edge. It's like it probably says on the poster. You're on the edge of your seat during this movie. Like, what's going to happen next? How's he going to do this? Is this <laughs> going to happen? Is that going to? It's an excellent. It really gets. It's one of the like actually getting like the immersion level of it. It's been quite a while since I've seen a sports movie that can do that to me. Not to give too too much away with it, but I didn't know anything about the the characters or the outcomes either and um i think this is the first film that if you google what the movie is about i think it might kind of spoil it uh, or will spoil it all, a lot of it but uh the thing is is that like again like we don't see just like the horses and and uh, and other athletes i guess that are, are in a jordan-esque in a jordan-esque way we don't know how these racers really perform you know like this uh this is one of those first films that i was like fuck man being a racer is just like a shitty just <laughs> a racer you're, you're just a fuck like you're <laughs> like in danger all this fucking time and i mean yeah football player you are whatsoever but like you could literally like fucking like burst up in flames and you're like especially back then man yeah <laughs> not, yeah not <laughs> yeah no no and that made it even scarier and yeah it's like fucking like nerve-wracking because you don't know what the fuck is gonna happen real quick who who do you think uh wins in a uh celebrity death match uh henry ford or enzo ferrari celebrity death match i would go with oh man when they were Uh, at the peak of their oldness yeah peak oldness (laughs) Um, Uh, (laughs) i would go with ferrari too yeah he's got the speed right he's gotta have the speed (laughs) he's got the speed yeah uh and uh Henry Ford just looked like uh you, you can you can wear him down. No stamina. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like his cars. Oh. <laughs> Found on road dead, am I right? Am I right? <laughs> what about you Blake? What what sports movies really stand out for you? <laughs> um so like actual sports about things that actually happened, I would say um anything. Anything uh well, I mean major I, league, that's cool. I so I yeah, I love I love major league. That's on my list here. Uh <laughs> Yeah, The Sandlot's like a, a movie that I really love. Um uh I would I'll, but I would like just like things that actually happened. I think Miracle is like a oh. super awesome movie. <laughs> like uh, Kurt Russell is really great in it, and just everybody's really good in it. Um, it's interwoven with like actual footage of the of the of the hockey match, and uh, mm-hmm. man, it's just uh, I would say that's that's like one of those movies when it's on, like I just stop and watch. It's like I really love Miracle. That one's a good one. That's a <laughs> that's a really good what's one. What's uh, yeah. what's what's a story that you would like to see told? Whether you know maybe a behind the scenes documentary type of thing, or just a straight up movie? What would you like to see? Ooh, boy. So I'm a huge Cowboys fan, right? So I I would love to see something about like the like the 92, 93, you know, that kind of cuz they were like they that the Jimmy team, Johnson era. Yeah, well they had the famously called a thing called the White House, right? There there's a book out. I would just want a a, a movie made off made off this book called The Boys Will Be Boys. And it's a uh basically several of the Dallas Cowboys players had the they bought a house that was just like for them to go party in. <laughs> so it's like there was all sorts of behind the scenes shit going on uh, with that, you know, and they won Super Bowls. So there was like, yeah, I would just because I'm a huge Cowboys fan, I would say that. What about you, Danny? You know what? The funny thing is, is that like we've had a lot of like the the first year that the box, the, the Red Sox have won again. And I think we've we've had that. But uh, I, I honestly I, I would like to see another one for, or actually one for the the, the Cubs winning their. their... Uh, I don't want to see that. <laughs> I want to see how it is because I want to like see if they they I talk about the. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Uh, Doesn't Sports Illustrated always do a thing like congratulations to the 2015 Chicago Cubs? You are the World Series champions, and then they have like a hat and uh, yeah, a DVD right, huh? you can get. Yeah, for like thirty bucks. I want this. Like, I want to stream this shit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's on, on, sure on it's Amazon. Out there, so... 
I'm not as up for sure. Uh, what you know, about would you? it be cool going back to the me going back to the Cowboys? Um, I think their 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 war room, like with when Jimmy Johnson was there and uh, Jerry Jones. Like I bet it was. Ah, I bet it was super interesting. I think there's a documentary about that. The the 26 player trade. Yeah, that was for Herschel Walker. Yeah, there. I think there is. Yeah, yeah. That, I think there is. That it's changed like, the course of sports history, and and like hell, yeah. in the, throughout the whole world, the Cowboys are the most valuable franchise in the world, and it has a large part due because of that. It's crazy. Jeez. Yeah, because that led to like Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin, and I yeah. think Troy Aikman, maybe possibly. I, I I think maybe Troy had been drafted already, but. Uh, yeah, you don't, and like all sorts of Hall of Fame linemen and defensive players too. Yeah, so, and yeah, it's that's it's nuts. So I, I I would I would like to because um I know that they well I mean I don't know how deep it was but I know there was a falling out between the two. Oh, and uh, mm-hmm. and the course of the Cowboys since you mentioned about their value and where they stand in America, but from a sports perspective, I mean they haven't done shit. Since no, then, so it years. would be. So that's super interesting. Like it it kind of, it seemed like they were, yeah, of course they're not going to win, you know, three and five years constantly, but it seemed like they were going to constantly be in talks to, you know, be at the Super Bowl. And um, I mean, they've kind of flamed out uh, sports wise. Well, yeah. And you can say that. I would say, I would argue that the two guys that that turned the modern NFL into what it is, a multi-billion dollar industry, Cowboys, multi-billion dollar company, um, Jerry Jones and Al Davis both um, kind of revolutionized how the sports world works, and mm-hmm. yet their two franchises. I would the Raiders have been more successful than the Cowboys. Raiders have been to Super Bowls uh, more recently yeah. than the Cowboys have. So yeah, it's it's there's a lot to and how how have the Cowboys continued to grow and be so successful while producing you know kind of a middling product over the past twenty years? It's crazy. Like uh, I. I honestly don't know why, like, my nephews are Cowboys fans. Like, I don't know. Like, they, they've had no reason to root for that team. Like, that team has given them nothing back. But um, yet alone, let they're, they're huge fans. It's it's crazy. It really is. That's actually a, a really good question. And that would be very interesting. How the hell does a not, – not a bad franchise, not a bad franchise at all, but a very middling franchise. Mm-hmm. How the hell do they become the most powerful, recognizable – brand in in sports basically (laughs) pretty crazy i'm sorry and i was gonna say it wouldn't go the same thing like what we saw with jordan like it's just your markable 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 already like you know like yeah that's that's a huge part of it is you know it's like it's easy to market the star and the blue and silver like it's it's yeah there's a lot to that um not to mention just like like the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, you know, like the Cowboys cheerleaders get sent around the world, like to do yeah. emotional stuff. And it's like, well, why the fuck was it? <laughs> why? Like, well, because they realize <laughs> that it helps promote this overall huge brand. So yeah, it's, it's an incredible thing. Yeah. And if you've ever been to their stadium or been near it, you'll, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like, is I don't know. It's kind of like this wonder of the world when you see it, it's humongous. I was actually flying over it. Uh, the old stadium. I was flying over it when they imploded it. Oh, it was, awesome. badass. It was really crazy. They warned us ahead of time. They came over, the the captain came over the speaker, uh, let us know what was going to happen, and it was pretty fucking amazing. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that, that's the coolest thing the Dallas Cowboys ever did for me. Every Saturday you can find us here. Uh, the rest of the week you can go to adventuresandportes.com where you can find all our podcasts. Uh, we have Talking Tauntauns and with Rise of the Skywalker coming up. I always say Rise of the Skywalker <laughs> with a new Star Wars movie coming up. Um, there's going to be a lot going on there. Uh, we have our comics podcast. We have the general podcast. And then we have Portes Wrestling. Uh, you can also catch up with all our reviews and articles and leave your thoughts. Um, right now I have an article up. It is the best movies you will ever see but will never want to watch again. Ooh. Phantom Thread is a really good movie. I don't know if I want to see that again. <laughs> but what you can do, guys, you can follow us over at Adventure, over on Twitter at uh, Adventures in Movies. Uh, you can also follow us individually. You can find uh, Pat or Nathaniel over on Instagram at Nathan Port Taste. You can find me, Danny, on Twitter and Instagram at Default Player underscore Player. And you can find uh, Mr. Blake over on Twitter at Four Eight Horror. Mr. Blake. I used to have a maintenance guy who used to call me Mr. Blake. Um, <laughs> nice. He was a nice guy. Uh, actually, he was not. 
Um, so <laughs> next week, uh, we have turkey movies. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll, we'll do our we'll do our best with that. Um, and if you uh, if you want to subscribe to us, uh, you get all this stuff a whole lot earlier. So. Do right by us and subscribe. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Stitcher, maybe, probably. I don't know. And uh, rumor is you can find us on iHeartMedia. Uh, just go to the website. You can listen to us there. And you can read a bunch of articles, too. So there you go. And that's for you. We will talk to you next week. From downtown. Downtown.